The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, In those days after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows. Neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. So beware. Keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight or at the cock crow or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Beloved family of God, grace and peace to you from God, our creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I'm going to be honest, after the last few weeks of Matthew 25, I was excited to get out of Matthew's gospel and into Mark, and it's just kind of the same stuff that we've been talking about, right? Keep awake, keep watch, you never know the day or hour. And yet, one of the things that I love most about uh, the Bible passages that tell us of the end times is that they're often very clear about the impossibility of knowing when. Right? It's one of our favorite games to, to try to guess exactly when, to read the signs, to do the math of the dates and things like that, to try to see the end. And then we hear these words from Jesus, but about that day or hour, no one knows. Keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. And yet that has not stopped many faithful believers throughout the generations from insisting that they knew with utmost certainty the day that Christ would return and that the world as we knew it would end. The Bishop Clement of Rome predicted the world would come to an end in the year 90. Hilary of Poitiers predicted the end in the year 365. His student, Martin of Towers, said sometime before 400. The German emperor, Otis III, thought an eclipse in the year 968 would bring about the end of the world. I can't be certain of this, but I wonder if there was a Y1K crisis when the year turned to the year 1000 and people thought that the world would end at that point. Medieval popes all had their predictions of when the world would end. You can go on the Wikipedia page and under predictions of the world ending and you can scroll for quite some time of the people throughout history who were sure they knew the end of the world. 
There was a special uh, dusting up of activity in the 1800s, 1900s, into the, into the 2000s. There are, are people still making predictions today of when the end will come and the apocalypse will arrive. And they are getting very precise in their predictions. I love when we talk about these kinds of end times and we use the word apocalypse. It's such a a great word to use in this context. It comes from the Greek word apocalypto, which is often translated as to uncover or to reveal or to lay bare. It's what happens when there is a clear before and an after time, when there is an end of the time that was before and you move into a new reality and you know that you can never go back, that something has been uncovered that cannot possibly be hidden again. When we think about things like that, I think we've actually lived through quite a few apocalypses, haven't we? I think of events like September 11th, 2001. Right? There was a clear before time and an after time. And who we were before could never be returned to again. Or I think about the kind of apocalypse that took place during the COVID-19 pandemic that's still unfolding in ways that we aren't entirely sure how things will go. The things that were uncovered or laid bare make it impossible to go back to the times before. In addition to these kind of big global types of apocalypses, I think Mark calls us to think of those small-scale apocalypses that occur in our personal lives but are no less devastating. Those times in our lives of which there is a clear before and an after. I wonder what little apocalypses you've experienced that resonate, that have made it seem like the world was coming to an end. It could be when a, a doctor gives a frightening diagnosis. It could be when a A divorce is finalized. It could be an injury coming out of an accident. It could be when someone dear to us, a beloved spouse or child or parent or friend, passes away. We see these kind of small-scale apocalypses every day. And if we're not experiencing them in our lives, we see them on the evening news. Airplane crashes, hospital bombardments, all kinds of things that make it seem like the world's ending. And it's in those times that we are convinced that the world as we know it is over. And it's in those times that we desperately desire a God who will step in, a God who will intercede. I love that we start our Advent season with this longing, this yearning voice from the prophet Isaiah. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, Isaiah prophesies. And there are so many times as we go throughout our lives, as we go throughout our days and weeks, where we too 
Shout that prayer. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. How many times have we turned off the news or hung up the phone pleading some version of that prayer? Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Isaiah implores God to intervene in the injustices in our world in some kind of decisive way once and for all. I think in doing this and connecting this with the season of Advent, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and and come down. Mark calls to mind this passage from Isaiah early on in the story of Jesus when he writes about Jesus' baptism. We're not even ten verses into Mark's gospel yet. And we hear, just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like him as a dove. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Mark's readers would have instantly recognized that allusion to Isaiah and understood the message that God has torn open the heavens and come down in the person of Jesus. For Mark's community and for all who followed after in the name of Jesus, it's an answered prayer. I wonder where those times are in your life where you have pleaded for God to tear open the heavens and come down. My guess is we have no shortage of stories. There are so many in our world who are sick, who struggle with addiction and isolation, who struggle in poverty and are out of good options. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, Lord. One of the things that we can do in this season of Advent is we can be honest that our world is in desperate need of reordering. And so we direct our prayers to God, and we wait. And as our friends Gerald and Piggy reminded us in children's time, waiting is not easy. One of the things I love about Advent is the reminder that our waiting is not meant to be passive, and our waiting is not meant to be done in isolation. It's not meant to be locked away by ourselves, twiddling our thumbs until that day or hour which no one knows comes. In Mark 13, Jesus tells us how to wait. He says it's, it's like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. This kind of active Waiting that we do in Advent means that we're each given our own work to do. We wait and we watch for glimpses of Christ's arrival among us. So I wonder in this season of Advent as we begin looking forward, as we light one candle to watch for Messiah, what is the work that you have been given to do in this Advent season? as we watch and wait for Christ to be born. 
I wonder where God may be calling you to forgive or heal or feed or speak out or write a letter or apologize or reconcile. I wonder where those places are in your life where we plead for God to tear open the heavens and come down. Because I think God has given us a special task in this time of waiting to be witnesses to the power of hope. And hope is not found in calculating the exact time of the Messiah's return, but in the faithful attention to people and situations that God has placed before us to share a word of hope and mercy and love. In Advent, we cry out for the coming of Christ to reorder our lives and the world because there are parts of this world that need to come to an end. Right? There are parts of this world that need to come to an end. Hate needs to end cruelty, needs to end hunger, needs to end greed, needs to end suffering, needs to end. There are parts of this world that need to end. And yet the good news found in Mark's apocalypse is that the end is indeed near. And so is a new beginning. And if you go to the next slide, this is one of my favorite <laughs> slides to have. One of my favorite pictures in the season of Advent to guide us as we go. Because while it seems like the end may be near, we know, we of faith know that the end is always an entry to a new beginning. Revelation, the big apocalyptic book at the end of the Bible, ends with a three-word prayer, Come, Lord Jesus. It's a word that we pray every time we hear that Plea from Isaiah, oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. And yet really, each one is accompanied with a prayer, come, Lord Jesus. It's a good way to understand apocalyptic writing in general. It's a prayer for God to come and reorder our world. Come, Lord Jesus to create endings and new beginnings so that God's people, so that all of creation would flourish and thrive. And until then, we wait and we watch and we pray, come, Lord Jesus. And we remember that indeed, the beginning is near. And so we say thanks be to God. Amen.